This is the future of finance by Motive Labs. Hello, welcome to the future of finance, the Motive Labs podcast, where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. And welcome back. This is Emma from Motive Partners. And today we are joined by Jitin Varu, Value Creation Partner at Avalok Ventures. Welcome, Jitin. Hi, Emma. How are you? I'm good. Good to have you with us today. We've had a fantastic conversation already. Mm. Tell our listeners about you. Well, I'm Jitin, a Value Creation Partner at uh, Avalok Ventures. I kind of started my career by accident. So I started with the M&A team back in the day at Mears Pearson Fortis Bank. And I was the only guy that wasn't looking at the spreadsheet and the numbers. So I was asking what they called silly questions at the time around what is our pricing strategy? Who is our customer? And, you know, how do we make money from these topics? So I learned probably the hard way on, you know, what we call today go-to-market and commercialization, working with a traditional M&A team. And then thereafter? Thereafter, most of my career has been working in, I guess, what you call company building today, doing M&As. And probably the most prominent, exciting thing that I did was one of the founders of MIG Bank out of Switzerland, which we successfully sold to Swissquote a few years later. And that was a kind of a digital first foreign exchange trading bank. Quite exciting for me because they were a sponsor of Braun Formula One and Mercedes Formula One. So it was for me, it was a great opportunity to connect my hobby and my job together. Fantastic. So what led you to joining Avalok? The opportunity at Avalok that you saw, obviously it's a motive portfolio company, so yeah. we're fully behind it. But tell yeah. us from your side. I've been in this space, been in the investor space for a long time. I've been through my network, giving advice to my friends and colleagues about investment opportunities and you know how to build fintechs and startups. And then when I understood from Francisco, the, who was the chairman and the CEO and the founder of Avalog at the time, uh, that you know we had a, a large PE firm coming on board and understood it was Warburg, it was, you know, it was just a perfect opportunity to work with them. And now you are in the capacity of value creation partner at Avalok Ventures. It's quite a title and yeah. I'd love to hear more as would our listeners. What does Avalok Ventures do for Avalok? Sure. So maybe I'll, I'll go a step back. So three, four years ago when I joined, we were looking at what's happening in the fintech space. What are banks looking for? And over that time, we developed our strategy around an API platform for fintechs. So how do we collaborate with fintechs? How do we collaborate with our competition? So we've built a platform called Avalog One, which is our API and fintech platform. We believe in supporting the fintech community. So as part of that ecosystem strategy, we created Avalog Ventures. So the purpose of Avalog Ventures is to invest in wealth and private banking fintechs that would support and drive that specific space or that specific vertical. But the key point for us, it's more about the sweat. So we want to know whether or not we are useful and supportive to the fintech as advisors, or, you know, we have seven, 800 engineers and product owners. So sometimes these guys can, you know, have, have experience that we can bring, accelerate the thinking of the fintech as well. So it's not just about the cash drop, it's about the relationship and whether or not we can help each other. Yeah, that's fantastic. And just for my purposes, especially, can we take a step back and 
can you explain in layman's terms what does Avalok do? Yeah. You explained so nicely how Avalok Ventures fits into Avalok, but yeah. how does it fit into the long-term strategy? Where are you yeah. seeing Avalok going forward and what are the trends you're seeing? Yeah. And how, sorry to add to this question, yeah. how is that informing your investments? So Avalok in simple terms is, I would say, the number one software as a service and uh, BPO, business process outsourcing partner, specifically designed for wealth managers and, and private banks and, and some niche, uh, some specific retail segments. So we don't sell software, we provide the service that also goes with that. So that's the, you know, the value add differentiator that we had. So the other question was, how do your investments fit into the long-term strategy of Avalok? So for us, it's about, you know, buy, build, partner. So we want to find the right fintechs and the right motivation and the right excitement as well. You don't have to do everything yourself. And, you know, it's sometimes better to have a smaller part of a larger pie than a small part of a big pie, right? So you, you've got to find the balance between the two. And it's a very ripe market. There's a lot of investment happening in the fintech space, you know, here at level 39 and also with Motive, with your with your lab, you know, you're, you're seeing similar trends that, you know, you've got to build those relationships with the banks, with the fintechs, with the deep tech industry as well. Most of the guests on this podcast read our newsletter every week. So we thought you'd enjoy it too. It's called Brain Food. It comes out every Sunday morning and it's packed with all the things you need to know about financial services and technology. You can subscribe at motivepartners.com. And when we talk about value creation, I mean, Motive, what we originally set out to do was to define a new wave of value creation. Mm. And we've done that through our ecosystem model with our labs and our partners and applying this expertise within our ecosystem to our portfolio companies. Mm -hmm. Tell us how you see value creation at Avalok. How do you use your expertise within Avalok yeah. and apply them to your investments in the ventures side? Well, I think it's quite simple because you just answered the question for me. We're doing very similar things to, to what you're doing, but we're, I would say because we're one of your portfolio companies, we're doing it inside out. You're doing it outside in. Yes, and hopefully we're providing a bit of value to you too. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so our model is working. Yes. <laughs> Great. You are also an advisor to a number of different fintechs. And as we can already tell from this conversation, you are so well versed in the industry. Tell us what you're seeing and some of the challenges that financial technology companies are facing in today's world. And what advice are you giving them to guide them? I think the rate of innovation is very fast and the cost of innovation is very cheap. So when I say innovation, people have ideas and they can build an MVP with a few, few thousand bucks. I mean, today I saw a payment company, a fintech, just across the road here at Level 39. They've built their entire payment back office engine in three months on an AWS platform, and it's 300 meg, and it fits on a Raspberry Pi. And if they want to scale to 2 million transactions, it's going to cost them 5,000 bucks a month. Wow. So if you just look at that compared to what we had to do 10 or 15 years ago to deliver the same service, phenomenal. Incredible. The world is changing at the fastest pace, more than ever before. So not only are you an advisor, but you are also on the board of a private equity fund, Venture Capital. Tell us a bit more about that, your learnings yeah. from that too. So yeah, I, I was part of the um, founding team at MIG and uh, the CEO and the COO 
after we exited um, MIG, set up a private equity fund based out of Geneva called Naventa Capital. It's a growth capital strategy around the Series B onwards. And we focus on digital technology and assets. So it's a very broad concept. And we look at things from GPS scanners across to the food industry, but there has to be a digital theme to it. And what I'm learning from that is that, you know, when we do the due diligence and we look at organizations, there's a lot of things we can bring across to the financial services industry. So there's a lot of cross-fertilization that's happening. For example, you know, we're looking at um, an organization that had GPS scanning, for example, and how that works. And a conversation I had last week with an organization is around how you can use that same technology for prison technology tags and how that works. But once you put your ankle for prisoners that are outside, the same technology is used on how to geolocate services. So, for example, if you go to Starbucks every day, right, and you haven't been today at 11 o'clock, Starbucks are in a position, if you've got the right app, which is coming out soon, to do a push notification, you know, if you go to Starbucks, get an extra 20% off because you haven't been in the last, you know, half an hour or so. So it's similar technology <laughs> that's porting across, but the quality of that technology and the signals have been around for a long time. So I'm going to give you an example. GE in California have connected street lamps. So the government and the police force are able to use the Wi-Fi signals to potentially track prisoners and criminals if they're already tacked. You know, so these type of things come into play. And then if, that, if that's happening in California for public services, they can sell that data to commercial organizations as well, which then also can come back into the FS industry, right? Yes, so of course. Things are moving fast. That is fascinating. Can you tell us a bit more? What are you seeing in the data economy? What are the other trends that you think are coming to shape the financial mm. services industry? I think data is one interesting topic that we still haven't got a grip on as, a, as an industry. You know, the fintechs that I talk to, their revenue models are very much around the direct-to-consumer or or the B2B. And the ones I'm interested in as as an investment are the ones that can demonstrate to me how they're going to monetize on the data. You know, it's an additional revenue stream. It may not be on year one or year two or year three, but it's there in the future. And how do you do that? And how do you get the confidence of of your consumer? And if you're a B2B business, you don't have a consumer. It's a different approach. You know, but you the still found- have data. <laughs> you still have data, yeah. yeah. And, and I think a lot of the founders that are coming out today, they turn up with a celebrity board of founders and investors behind them, board members. They have pre-funding. They have the perfect pitch deck. But sometimes, you know, they don't get the funding because it's too perfect, right? The, The standard is very, very high. Yeah, standard is very, very high. So the ones that come across with a bit of a grey idea are the ones where you have to work a bit hard and say, okay, the idea is a bit grey, the founder's not very communicating, but what do I see the value in between, right? So you've you've got to find the balance between the two. Yeah, and there's often a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Even if the idea is not crystal clear, that's where you can add a lot of value. Exactly, yeah. So tell us a bit more about your career and you personally. Tell us about Jitten. What are the biggest lessons you have learned along the way? Biggest lessons I've learned is probably patience is a virtue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think my level of patience when I was starting my career was, it was all about delivering, delivering, delivering. And, and I think, you know, because the pace of change is so fast, you have to spend a lot of time researching, reading, talking to people, networking. So I think, you know, at this point in my career, the last five or 10 years, it's all about the conversations you're having, 
who you know, where you're going, who you're talking to, learning. throwing ideas down, learning all the time. Yeah. And, and that's something, you know, when I started my career, it's like you learn one programming language and that's it for the rest of your life. And I think I learned after about 12 months, that's not it for the rest of my <laughs> yeah. life. Right? You're always going to be learning. So There'll be another curveball. Yeah, there'll be another curveball. Continuously yeah. iterating. Yeah. It rings very true to me um, at the start of my career. And I often get impatient and wonder what I am doing with my life. <laughs> I'm thankfully at an incredible firm, but it is confusing. And sometimes it's, it's good yeah. to be patient and yeah. just do your best yeah. every day and every day. Role models. Role models. Yes, that is something that we always ask because a lot of the most incredible people we have met, you included, yeah. have learned yeah. from incredible people. Tell us some of your role models. I would say there's no one individual role model. I think I'm one of those people that looks at groups of people and how they behave from, I don't know, let's say from Bill Gates to the Dalai Lama and see the value points in each thing. So I try to pick out from that what I see interesting and try and kind of reference that in my, in my life as well. Yeah. So I don't think I've ever had one specific role model, but you know, I think over time you see the value in different people. I mean, if you just take Bill Gates, for example, you know, what he did at Microsoft in the early days compared to what he's doing now, he's also matured. Yes. Right. So you can learn something from the old Bill Gates and the new well Bill Gates. The new Bill yeah, exactly. There's, there's, there's completely different approaches, right? So Yeah. And they're wearing yeah. completely different hats. So all Bill Gates is an entrepreneur and he would yeah. do anything to succeed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the new one is really about making impact. Yeah, exactly. I haven't watched the Netflix documentary yet. Neither have I. Yeah. That's something on both of us. <laughs> Jitin, fantastic to have you with us today. We we have learned a lot from you. I wrote down one of your quotes. The rate of innovation is very fast and the cost of innovation is very cheap. It's so true. And that's why we are in the industry that we are. A very exciting time to be in financial technology. And it's been great to chat to you today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Emma. Great to talk to you too. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of motor partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of motive partners. Motive partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by motive partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.